John chapter 8. Let's go there together. John chapter 8, and beginning in verse 21 this morning, I want to read through verse 30. Reading in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So they said to Him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but He who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from Him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Now when we come to verse 21, Jesus is, is speaking still to those who oppose him. And John tells us that what Jesus says now, he's said before. We have seen this before. Verse 21 says, So he said to them, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. We have seen this before, haven't we? Back in chapter 7, this is essentially the same thing Jesus said when in John 7, and verses 33 and 34, he told the crowds, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. So here in our passage in John 8, in verse 21, he says, I'm, I'm going away. Now what does he mean? What does he mean he's going away? Well, he's speaking of his death, right? He's speaking of his impending death. He knows he will be crucified. He knows he will be going away in that respect. His enemies don't understand that. But they, they'd love to have Jesus go away. They, they say, well, that, that'd be okay. If you're going to go away, that's fine. And we don't have to see you anymore. We don't have to argue with you anymore. We don't have to compete with you anymore. But then Jesus says something striking, something that, that really probably angered them. He says, you will seek me. What does he mean by you will seek me? Well, here's what I think he means. I think he means that they will seek, they will seek after, they will still be looking for the Messiah when he's gone. 
I think that's what he's talking about, that they're, they're still going to be looking for the Messiah after his death and after his resurrection. And he, of course, being the Messiah, they will not, they will not find him. But if they're looking for the Messiah, think about this though. If, if they're looking for the Messiah, he says, you'll seek for me and you won't find me. If they're looking for the Messiah, why won't they find him? Aren't we told by God's word that all who seek him, he will be found by them? All who call upon him, they, they will be answered by him. Why, if they seek for him, will they not find him? The key to their not finding him is found in the rest of Jesus' statement in verse 21 when he says, You will seek me and you will, he says, you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. We learn something. I think we learn something remarkable here, something very important. We learn something about, about those who look for God, so to speak, that, that it's possible to, to look for the Messiah and not be saved. You realize that? It's possible to look for God and not be saved. And what Jesus is pointing to is the final destination of all who reject the gospel when he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He says, you will seek me. And you need to understand that this is not in as if he's saying, you're going to be seeking me in faith. You're going to be looking for the Messiah still after I'm gone. But they won't be looking for Him from the, from the bottom of their hearts. They will not be looking for the Messiah in faith. Jesus says, you'll seek for Me and not find Me. And it's not as if they would come to Christ seeking Him in faith. They'll be looking for the Messiah, but they won't be seeking Him from the depths of their heart. They won't be seeking Him in true faith. But they will seek for Him this way, as people who want a God who does what they want who want a God of their making, who want a God of their imagination, they'll seek for, for the Messiah on their terms, not His. They'll seek for a Messiah in their own wisdom, in their own devices, and for their own gain. And note here that Jesus says they will die in their sin. That's singular. They will die in their sin. What is their sin? What is this sin that, that, that will that they will leave them in their sin. What what is the sin that they will die of? It's the sin of unbelief. It is the sin of unbelief that finally separates them from salvation. It's the sin of unbelief that finally separates them from forgiveness for their sins. You see, God's Word commands people to believe in the Son. And, And God's Word commands people to turn to Him and seek Him in faith as in Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7, where it says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let let the wicked forsake His way, and the unrighteous man His thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that He may have compassion on Him and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon You see, God does forgive. He commands us to trust in Him, to believe in the Son, to repent of sin. And God, His part, He abundantly pardons all those who call on His name. 
those who obey God's Word and come to Him in faith, they're saved. But many will not seek the Lord. God will not forgive them if they do not seek His forgiveness. They will not seek for the Lord. They will not do so with humility. They will not do so with with repentance and faith. They'll seek for the Messiah. They'll seek for God on their own terms. If they were truly to believe in Jesus, they would be forgiven their sins. But they refuse to believe. And that's the problem of these people who oppose Jesus in the passage we see this morning. They're still His enemies. They're still opposing Him. They're still looking for some reason to accuse Him, to be done with Him, to kill Him. If they would truly believe in Jesus, they would be pardoned. They would be forgiven. But they won't believe. They want a Messiah of their own making. And that is why Jesus says to them, where I am going, you cannot come. This is the danger of sin. You see, there's a great danger in living in unrepentant sin and refusing to admit that you're, you're trapped in your sin and you need a Savior. The, the danger of sin is that sin darkens the heart. It clouds the understanding. And in their sin, they, they're unrepentant sinners and they cannot know God and they cannot know Christ because they do not believe in Him as the Messiah. And so they are clouded in their understanding. They're darkened in their sin and by their sin. And so Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot come. You can't go where I'm going. You don't want a Messiah who forgives sin. You want a Messiah that will do what you want. In fact, that's... that's a common problem still today. That's a problem that wasn't limited to those men on that day. That's a worldwide epidemic still today. Mankind wants a Messiah of their own making. There's a bit of recent controversy going on in the evangelical world. It began a week or so ago. Uh, there's a pastor by the name of Rob Bell who's a pastor in a church, a large church, a very large church in Grand Rapids. He's uh, releasing a book coming out this week. They were going to release it next week, but because of the controversy, they were pushing it up. They're going to release it early to take advantage of the publicity. The book is called Love Wins. The problem with the book, the thing that's caused an uproar is that Unfortunately, Rob Bell, who calls himself a minister of the gospel, has taken the question, taken a task the gospel about hell, about whether there really is a hell, about whether God would truly send people to a, a, a place of eternal damnation. And it's a, it's a sad thing when, when there's an individual who has such a following of people who, who believe he's preaching the gospel and to, to hear something like this and to know at first, there was great uproar that there were people who were critiquing his book before the book was released, but they were going by what he had said in his video. He had released a few videos about the book, and then there were others who really received advanced copies of the book and read and, and were saddened that, that, that what Rob Bell does, he doesn't come right out and, and say there is no hell, but he wants to redefine hell so that it's not a literal place of damnation, of, of fire, of torment, when God's Word says it is. And so the uproar in the evangelical community over the last couple of weeks, I bring it to your attention because you're going to hear about this book soon if you haven't already. And you need to know the truth. You need to know God's Word. 
You need to be challenged with the truth. You need to believe in God's Word when it says that, that people will be separated from God eternally. So if they do not repent of their sin and trust in Him, this is a serious matter. This is not something to be redefined and trifled with. And that's the danger of sin. And the danger of living in this world and being challenged to live in this world is that sometimes we want a, a God on our terms. We want to redefine the Bible from our understanding and from our comfort zone. But there's no comfort in redefining what God's Word has said is so. How we must shape our minds and hearts and lives by God's truth and not let our hearts and minds and lives shape the truth. See, that's a worldwide problem today. It's not just Rob Bell and his book coming out. It's not just him. It's, it's many in the, in the church even today. Many in the world in which we live would say, no, that's not a God. That's not my God. The one in the Bible. That's not the one I serve. That's a dangerous place to live. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones spoke of this worldwide problem of people who want a guide, God of their own making saying, their God is something which they created themselves a being who is always prepared to oblige and excuse them. They do not worship Him with awe and respect. Indeed, they do not worship Him at all. They reveal that their so-called God is no God at all in their talk. For they are forever saying that they simply cannot believe that God will punish the unrepentant sinner to all eternity and this and that. They cannot believe that God will do so Therefore, they draw the conclusion that God does not and will not. In other words, God does what they believe He ought to do or not do. What a false and blasphemous conception of God. How utterly untrue and unworthy. Such is the new paganism of today. Ray Steadman says of that, that that is why people do not come to the light. Their willful ignorance blinds their hearts. They do not know Jesus and they do not know God. But not only do these men in our passage today here in John 8, not only do these men want a Messiah of their own making, not only do people today want a Messiah, want a God of their own definition and making, they also are blinded by the sin of pride. Pride is so dangerous. You can see it in their answer to Jesus' statement in verse 21. You can see their arrogance and pride here when you read verse 22. Verse 22 says, So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? Now, Jesus' enemies, they arrogantly suggest that the reason they won't be able to go where he's going is because he'll take his own life. That must be what he's talking about. You see, they believe that those who took their own life, those who committed suicide, went to a more severe place of judgment and punishment. But how wrong they were about Jesus. How incredibly wrong. How sad for their sake. What he says next makes that clear. In verses 23 and 24, he said to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. 
Did you hear that? It doesn't get any clearer than that. That Jesus is the only way to salvation, to forgiveness of sins, to eternal life. Jesus is the only way. You see, they are the ones going to a place of judgment. Jesus would be returning to heaven, to his Father. So Jesus gives this strong warning to them that they would die in their sins because without belief in Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness of sins. Those who refuse to repent, those who refuse to believe in Jesus remain of this world. You see, but those who turn to Jesus in faith and believe in Him alone for forgiveness and eternal life, they receive new citizenship. They remain in this world for a time, but they are no longer of this world. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 explains, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. So what those who oppose Jesus wouldn't believe and what many refuse to believe still today is that the eternal destiny of unbelievers is to die in their sins to die eternally trapped in their sins and trapped to the punishment of those sins so so now would be a good time to repent of sin right now would be a good time to repent of sin and believe in him and i and i suggest to you if you're here today, you've never trusted in Christ. You've never come to the point where you've repented of your sin and, and trusted in Jesus Christ. Now's a good time to do that. You can do that right where you sit right now. When you speak to the, your, your Heavenly Father about, about your need for salvation and you repent of your sin and believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, now would be a good time for that. Now would have been a good time for those who opposed Jesus that day. But notice in verse 25 how they continue to challenge Jesus. And they do so out of their confusion and unbelief and pride. Verse 25, so they said to Him, Who are you? It's like a challenge. It's like a, it, it seems to be a question, but it's also like a challenge to Him. Who are you to say those things to us? Who are you? Jesus replied, he said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. Listen, Jesus remains the same. Yesterday, today, and what? Forever, right? Jesus remains the same. Guess what? His witness was the same yesterday. It's the same today. And it'll be the same forever. Jesus remains the same. His witness is consistent. He says, I am just who I've been telling you I am. I am just who I've claimed to be. And none other teaching them anything more is of no use when they refuse to believe what they've already been taught. So Jesus says next in verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. Listen, he says, I come from the one who is true. The one who sent me is true. And you believe, you must believe in what I say and what I proclaim about myself, but he who sent me is true, and I declared to the world what I have heard from him. 
God has told me what to say about myself. I have been telling you who I am. Just believe. Just trust. Because Jesus remains the same. We have to praise God for that. That Jesus is the same. The Jesus of then is the Jesus of now. Amen? That God still changes hearts. That God still saves sinners through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's by faith in the name of Jesus. He says, I have much to say about you and much to judge. You see, there will be judgment for those who reject Christ. Some don't like to talk about hell. Some want to redefine hell. Some want to say it's not a literal place of eternal torment and separation from God. But that's not what God's Word says. And Jesus makes it very clear there will be a day of judgment. I have much to judge. The truth about Christ has been proclaimed. You need to believe in what I've said. You want to know who I am? Listen. Listen to what I've said. I'm still the one I proclaim to be. And what Christ has said about Himself is true, and what they need to do is believe in Him. The testimony of Christ had not changed from the beginning of His ministry, and it still has not changed today. The message is still trust in the One whom God sent. Trust in Jesus Christ. Repent and believe. Note that Jesus says, I only tell you what I have been told by the one who sent me. But they're still confused. Hearts clouded by sin. Verses 27 and 28, they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. In other words, you don't know me. You don't know me. And you don't believe in me. I can tell you who I am, but you refuse to believe. But when you have crucified me, and when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, and when I have died, and when I have risen from the dead, you'll know then who I am. And you'll know that what I've said is true, and that I spoke not from my own authority, but from the Father's authority. You'll know then. Verse 29 says, And and He who sent me is with me. He's like, look, I'm not alone. The Father helps me. The Father has told me and taught me, instructed me on what to, to teach and what to say. I'm on a mission from the Father and He is with me. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Do you ever, have you noticed here in John's Gospel that, that Jesus constantly points back to the Father? He is constantly, again and again, pointing back to the Father, the One who sent me, the One who sent me, the One who sent me. I'm on a mission. Jesus was not alone. He has the Father's support. And I see here this wonderful submission of God the Son to God the Father. And what a clear example for us it is. One of humility. One of submission to God's will. 
You see, Jesus serves to please the Father. And I wonder if that can be said of us. Do you, please, do you serve to please the Father? You see, one of the ways we, we know whether we truly live to serve and please the Father is, is, is how, we, how we treat God's Word, what He has given to us to reveal Himself to us. Then Jesus was with them. He was revealing Himself to them in the flesh, telling them about Himself. Today we have His Word. And we're in dangerous territory when we want to redefine God's Word. When in our own pride, we come to the Bible and say, that's not what it means to me. We ought never come to God's Word and say, what does it mean to me? We ought to come to God's Word and say, what does it mean? What does it mean? That's what it means to you. That's what it means to me. We ought to come to God's Word with humility with submission. Because we don't have the mind of God, do we? God's Word is clear about that. God says, your, your mind is not my, not my mind. Your, your ways are not my ways. My ways are not your ways. And that's a good thing. Because He's the Creator of the universe. And He's the One who is true. He's the One who gives us Truth, And He has given us His Word so that we can be challenged and changed and transformed into the likeness of His Son as we take steps of obedience in humility, in submission to God's will. You see Jesus' submission to God the Father's will here? Be challenged by that. Be encouraged by that. Be equipped by that to submit to God's Word. Be challenged to submit to God's authority over your life and submit to His will. Be done with your pride. Be done with your pride. God resists the proud. That is not a place you want to live. Resisting the God of truth. Because the one who created the universe, when He resists you, it's not pretty, is it? What a sharp contrast the submission of God the Son to God the Father to those who were His enemies that day. What a sharp contrast to that of Jesus' enemies who are prideful and arrogant and blinded in their sin. This would be a sad place to stop if it weren't for verse 30. Look at verse 30. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Is this genuine faith? We don't know. It doesn't say. We can, we can hope this is a sign that many did truly believe and had genuine faith in him. We don't know for sure if this is true and genuine faith. John 8 doesn't tell us here in the verses that follow, though, Jesus challenges them with this truth, and we're going to see this beginning next week, that true faith will show itself obedient to God's Word. True faith will show itself in obedience to God's Word. True disciples live in and by God's Word. If you're a true disciple of Christ, you will hunger for the truth. And you will desire to be moved and changed by God's Word. 
It's up to you to take steps of obedience to get yourself in the Word and get the Word in you. So Jesus rightly points to and says, you're truly going to be my disciples when you show show that you really are changed by the Word, when you're in the Word, when you abide in the Word, and the Word abides in you. True disciples live in and by God's Word. The sad truth is that many will pridefully and arrogantly remain in their sin because they refuse to believe in Jesus. We see it here in the passage before us today. We've seen it again and again. There were some who believe. There were some who reject. We don't want anyone to reject God's truth, do we? We want everyone to believe. But that's a sad truth that many will pridefully and arrogantly remain in their sin, remain in darkness because they refuse to believe in Jesus. Pride can be a matter of life and death. You realize that? We see it here. Those who refuse to repent, those who refuse to believe, remain in their sin and their destiny is hell. So is it kind to not tell people about hell? Do we do we love people more by not telling them about hell? I don't think we do. God's word is clear. Jesus was very clear. Where I'm going, you can't come. Why? Because you don't believe. But those who believe in Christ, those who believe in the Son, those who repent of sin and turn to Christ in faith will know and they will be transformed by the truth that Jesus proclaimed back in verse 12 where we saw last week. Jesus say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Believe in the Son. Turn to Him in humility. Ditch your pride. Be done with pride and come humbly before the Son. Repent of sin and believe in Him. The message is clear. Pride can be deadly. Don't let it kill you. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we come before Your Word today. And Your Word at times is powerful to encourage us. Power, powerful to give us great hope and strength. And then and there are times, and I think in some ways today we've, we've felt this, that it's very sobering. Your Word is very sobering. It captures our hearts. It convicts us of sin. And helps us to see very clearly our depravity trapped in the darkness of sin without Jesus Christ and without the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to the truth. And for those of us here who, who realize we would not have come to you had you not opened our eyes, we, we rejoice and thank you for drawing us to yourself and conquering our doubt and and sin, and selfishness, and pride. I, I pray, God, today that, that anyone here today who's still living, clinging to their pride, because they don't want to repent of sin, they don't believe they've committed, 
God, help them to see the truth. Chisel through the stony heart. Drop the veil of darkness from their spiritual eyes. Help them to see the Son and help them to believe in Your Son. And God, I pray, I pray for Your believers today that, that each believer here today would realize how, how gracious You are in giving us Your Son and in giving us eternal life when, when all we must do is, is truthfully from the bottom of our hearts turn to You with, with humility and repentance and trust. How gracious You are, God, to, to save undeserving sinners like us. We praise You and thank You. So God, help us to live for Your glory. Help us to walk in obedience to Your Word. God, I, I pray that You would challenge us and encourage us and strengthen us to be more and more like Christ every day and help us to take the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world so that they too might believe and be saved by the light of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.